know what time it is and you know the vibranium. It's time for the Shaw's Law Podcast. I'm Rob Shaw, a.k.a. The Pod God, a.k.a. Harry Potter. And I have a special guest with me. I have Ian Stansfield of the From the Stands podcast. And just like real quick, breaking the fourth wall. I thought Shaw's Law was a dope ass name, like a cool play on, ooh, my last name is Shaw and the stuff I say will be the law. And then him and his brother came up with from the stands and their last name is Stansfield. And like they, they, they took a little bit of air out of my balloon with like such a great name. What's going on, uh, we, bro? We, we appreciate that, man. I, it's one half of the from the stands podcast here, but I'm excited, man. We got some, uh, we got some big, some big hoops going on that uh, I'm excited to chat about today. So I like to do this with all my guests, like, especially on their first time. I just need a little bit of your hoops background. Who do you root for? The Toronto Raptors all day, always. Your favorite basketball memory. Like it doesn't have to be involving the Raptors, but like your favorite NBA moment, the moment that said, Oh my God, I love basketball. I need to be a part of this. Mm. The, the moment. So my favorite was the Kawhi shot. I only, cause I was in the building for it. I was in love with basketball long before that though. I would say the Vince Carter dunk contest was the moment for me. You know, when, when he did the reverse, um, you know, the reverse 360 window, the counterclockwise it was, 360 yeah, window? it was a wrap after that. It was a wrap after that. So that's your favorite dunk from that contest. Without question. Like just like the choreography and how just how perfect it was. I think Donovan Mitchell tried to tried to replicate it later. And that extension, you know, that arm was fully cocked and fully out. Nothing was ever nothing's ever been like that. So for me, Aaron, my favorite dunk. Then Aaron Gordon came along. No, arm in the rim is my favorite Vince Carter Ooh, dunk. The honey dip. But what made Carter's dunks so good is not just the extension, but like structurally, they looked perfect. Like the um, the the East Bay from uh, T Mac, like the bend in his knee, like it's structurally, a, like the way his but on the three sixty windmill, like his body's just perfect. Like it's almost like a course on angles and well, it's this, symmetrical. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. All right, so today we're going to talk about, first, let's get your thoughts on the playing as a whole, and then we'll dive into some of the games real quick. Well, if you're Adam Silver, you have to, going into last night's Lakers and Golden State game, you had to be a little panicked. I mean, you know, the Memphis-San Antonio game ended up being close in the end, but it never felt that close. Always kind of felt like the Spurs were, um, you know, like they didn't belong and shouts out to Mar DeRozan. Had a great year. Um, so Adam Silver had to be panicked a little bit. And then LeBron and Steph come flying high last night. And that game was was unbelievable. I, and, you know, the, the one thing I will say is I thought for sure Washington was going to win on the east side. I was surprised to see uh, Boston come through. But, you know, Tatum dropped a piece. But, you know, that game last night, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It, we, it reaffirmed – you know, why Stephen Curry is the greatest guard since Kobe Bryant. It, it reaffirmed why Draymond Green is, you know, maybe the best defensive player we've seen since Scottie Pippen. 
um, or, you know, or Kevin Garnett or Ben Wallace, one of those, that, that's the echelon that we're talking about. And then, you know, LeBron with the, you know, the 40 foot dagger, 35 foot dagger. I mean, it's just pure greatness. And watching that was just unbelievable. So all in all, I'm very pro playing. I hope as we go along, the years go along, we start to dial it up a little bit and the matchups get a little better. I love the play in and I agreed with you that I thought Adam Silver was punching the air after the first three games. I might have, I might, I might be Debbie Downer here. That's probably the best play in game we're ever going to get. We're legitimately talking about two top 15 players in the play in game. How often do you think LeBron or Steph Curry is going to be in the play in? Like, Never. We're, we're gonna we're probably gonna get met more matchups similar to Spurs Memphis, like that's actually what the play in really is. I think this year, in its inaugural year, it's perfect that we got Steph and LeBron because that those ratings and that drama should push it forward for years. But essentially, we're looking at the NBA's version of two sixteen seeds playing each other, is what. I would come to expect more often than not. The one thing I will say on that, and I don't necessarily disagree, but let's quickly look at the list of guys that we missed, right, in the play-in this year. Zion Williamson. You know, I have to think that, you know, next season we're at least discussing New Orleans as a play-in team. And if they're not, then Stan Van Gundy should be fired. Um, he maybe should be fired anyway. You know, and on the East, you know, we're talking Zach Levine, you know, Nick Vucevic with the Bulls. You know, you have to think they're going to be in the mix next year. Um, obviously the Raptors are going to be a whole lot better. So, you know, I'm just looking at teams, you know, you know, maybe possibly the Kings, something like that in the West, although they don't excite me all that much. I, I just think that the league as a whole, I, I think is getting better. And I think the gap you're going to see between seven, eight, nine, ten 10 is going to be a lot closer than what we've seen this year. Like, for example, like I look at San Antonio and I look at Charlotte and those were two teams that had no business anywhere sniffing the playoffs right and you know i have faith that next year you know your eight nine ten teams are just gonna be better than what we've seen you know maybe not on the west with with golden state and los angeles you know but there are some really good exciting players that we didn't see and next year we probably will so i have faith all right uh do you have any other big playing thoughts do you have thoughts on the do you call it the loser's bracket coming up? Because like one of these teams did win. Yeah, I still think it's the loser's bracket because basically what we're playing for is to get absolutely smashed by, you know, by Philadelphia Philly. and potentially Utah. So no, just Philly. Okay, so so you want to go there. You think if Golden State wins, that Golden State's going to challenge Utah because I don't think it's going to be close. I, I think they're going to give them a tough time. Define a tough time. Does five, does six games constitute as a tough time? Okay, six games is a long series. Anything under that is a short series. So a sweep okay. or a gentleman sweep is a short series. If it goes six or seven, I consider it a long series. Fair. Yeah, I think six feels right. I mean, the, the problem with Utah, and, and, and again, the one thing I will say about Golden State, and then we can move on. But the one thing I just want to say about Golden State is that without Clay, they just run out of good players quickly. And I Very thought Wiggins quickly. was fine last night. I love Juan Toscano Anderson. Like, I love that guy. I really like Jordan Poole. But none of these guys are dudes that you can ever rely on in a playoff game or a playoff series. So 
they run out of good players fast. And Utah is the opposite, right? Utah is like, we go eight, eight really good NBA players deep. And that's why I think it's five or six games at best. All right. So with that said, we have, we have some fun stuff going on. We're going to, we'll breeze through the playoff matchups real quick. We'll, I'll let you give a quick thought on each matchup and then I'll give one. And then both of us are going to pick a series, two series from each conference that this is the one, this, if I could only watch these two, this is where I'm homing, honing in at. Ooh, that's tough. Um, okay. So in the East, well, I guess we'll skip those since we don't officially know. So we'll start with two, seven Brooklyn and Boston, your quick thoughts. I want to say that Brooklyn's going to smash them. Um, but as a Raptor fan, I've seen what Marcus Smart can do, particularly when he gets hot. And he got hot against us last year. I could see six games, particularly if Boston has a crowd. But this feels like a five-gamer. This feels like a gentleman sweep. Okay. Outside the box thinking here. Mm-hmm. If you were Steve Nash – and they told you, you are going to win this series no matter what. Would you prefer seven games or four or any number in between? Just because your big three hasn't played a lot together and practice is one thing, but the playoff reps together, like I think I might, if I was Nash, like if I knew I was winning and nobody was going to get hurt, give me all seven. Yeah, but I think the health matters more. And I have concerns with Durant making it through four rounds as it is. So the the the, the fewest amount of games I can play, I, I think that's the where I'm going to look. And listen, like, you know, I don't remember the last time we've seen three this this group of a three threesome of players that are this good, this entrenched in their prime. I mean, we're probably talking Miami, but even then, Wade kind of felt. Wait at like one, one and a half elite, elite seasons. And, and then Bosch sort of is, fell off a bit. Bosch was a step lower offensively for me. Right. So we're, you know, we are talking about three top 15 guys, right? These all three guys, if they're healthy the whole year, we're talking about three guys that are going to be on each one of the all NBA teams. So to me, yes, I do think there's value in playing the games, but health has to come first in that because as soon as these guys get on the floor, I'm not convinced it's going to matter the reps and I, I'm just not convinced it's going to matter. The talent is just too immense. All right. Three, six Milwaukee, Miami. Drew holiday changes everything for me because he Milwaukee and you saw this in the Toronto series and you saw this in the Miami series from last year, they're soft, right? And drew holiday isn't, is anything but soft. He plays with a certain level of dog in him that this team just has not had. Right. Like you can have dogs like PJ Tucker and Marcus Smart types and guys like that. But at the end of the day, you need guys that are going to be able to impact the game at a high level. And Drew does that. I know the sexy pick is Miami. I think Milwaukee rolls here. You oh, do you really? Yeah, I do. I mean, Jimmy Butler's going to have his say. There's no doubt. And I understand throwing Bam at Giannis. But this feels like a pivotal moment for Milwaukee where it's it's shit or get off the pot time. Right, like it's time. All right, moving. Oh, oh, this is the big one. This is the one. 
four five. New York Knicks, Atlanta Hawks, Julius Randle, Trey Young. Where are you? I can't stand everything about Atlanta. I, I just don't love how the team was built. You know, they've sort of been catering to the Trey Young experience for, for so long that I'm just not sure what to expect. Atlanta has far, far more talent, and Nate McMillan's a damn good coach. I'm picking New York because my heart wants New York to win, but I do think Atlanta comes through. This is a fun series, and I think if you haven't picked it as one of yours, we'll double back because it's definitely one of mine. But the idea that either the Hawks or the Knicks are guaranteed to go to the second round. It's crazy to me. Is unbelievable. And Julius Randle has he's just stepped up another level. Julius Randle has been so good that I almost don't think he can sustain it next year. It's crazy. Right. And, and I think, you know, that big contract's coming and it's, and it's earned. The one thing I will say about in favor of New York, who's guarding Randall. I'd assume Deandre Hunter gets some of those reps. If he's healthy. He was having such a good season, and then oh he got God, hurt. Oh, he was fun. I know. Like, legit. He. We're talking about a guy when next season comes around, if he's healthy, he's the second best and second most important Hawk, without question. All right. So, if – is there an eight-seed winner that matters to you if you're the Philadelphia 76ers? I was thinking about this today, and – I'd probably rather see Indiana only because they're so decimated. And what it comes down to is would I rather have to deal with Beal for four wins or would I have to rather deal with Sabonis for four wins? And frankly, if I have Joel Embiid, I'd so much rather deal with Sabonis. So I hope to see Indiana if I'm a Philly fan. Um, I just think Beal and I think tonight Beal and Westbrook are just going to be too much, right? You know, people say it all the time. Beal and Westbrook feel like they're the best players at all times. And, and that's, me, a, that's, that's a scary it's always thing. Dangerous. It's dangerous. So I would rather see Indiana. And like with Philly's history and like, I know they feel like they're the best players all the time, but like if they, if you put them on uh truth serum, I feel like when they looked at Philly, they'd be like, nah, we can't really fuck with Joel Embiid. But on that same truth serum, they'd look at Ben Simmons and be like, oh yeah, we're both better than him. I was just going to ask you that. You know, we're, we're looking at a series now with Philadelphia. And this, by the way, this goes back to the Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris decision that Philly made two years ago. The wrong if one. Philly, if, if Philly makes, if Philly keeps Butler, right, we're not having this discussion. They didn't. They went with Harris, right? And Harris had a, had a really good season. I'm not, I'm not disregarding that. But I can't help but think Washington going into this series thinking we have the second and third best player players in this series and if you catch Beal on the right night why can't Bradley Beal keep up with Joel Embiid so that to me is a little dangerous now I think Philly is too defensively stout you know the the Scott Brooks versus Doc Rivers thing is a massacre for Philly I'm not sure it's gonna matter but if I had my choice and I was a Philly fan give me Indiana all right let's move on out west (sighs) Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Oh. Yeah. Like, I, I just want to give my guys a eulogy, honestly. Like, they did so good. 
And when LeBron hit that 40 ball, that 40 footer last night, it didn't hurt the Warriors. It, it just crushed Arizona. Like as that ball, it was like, a, as the ball was in the air, it was like a meteor coming from space only to hit Phoenix. Like that's what it did when it went through the net. It just crushed Felt everything. I have to say, if Phoenix didn't have such a size disadvantage, right? Like it's Aiton and then it's like Sarich and, you know, Kaminsky's mixed in there in terms of bigs, right? And, you know, a big, big, strong bully team like LA is going to take advantage of that. If it wasn't for that discrepancy, I'd feel okay if I was Phoenix, right? Like, obviously, you know, LeBron and, you know, he, I don't know that he's ever lost in the first round. So I'd still pick LA to be the favorites, but Phoenix is deep, really good and well coached, right? So I I wouldn't necessarily write it off yet, but that size discrepancy just makes, it makes it so, so difficult. So I do feel bad for Phoenix. I do think they make the series though. And that's all we could hope. I, I mean, if, if this goes seven, I'm thrilled for Phoenix. Yeah. That, oh, if at this point, seven is a win, but like making the playoffs would, would have been a, like a gargantuan win for Phoenix, but then they exceeded expectations so much and got a two that when you get that high, you're expected to advance at least around. And then you run into the defending champs and that's got to take some wind out of your sails. Though, and I, one thing I want to shout out to is Mikael Bridges is awesome. And mm-hmm. that dude's going to get paid. That, that is another trade that Philly made that made absolutely no sense was, you know, trading out of the Mikael Bridges spot to take Zaire Smith. Uh, I think, I believe six picks later, Zaire, I, I'm not even sure he's in the league. I think he's in the G league somewhere. And Mikael Bridges is awesome. He is going to have his say watching him guard LeBron is going to be super, super intriguing. Um, but I think collectively out there, we need to stop pretending he's better than OG Ananobi. Let's just, as a group, as a NBA Twitter collective, we need to stop pretending he's better than OG Ananobi. Please and thank you. I do like Bridges. I In the OG versus Bridges conversation, I lean OG just off the strength that I think he has a little bit more room as a creator. And that's, that's always a big thing for me. Like I love my role guys, but if I'm betting on a guy just a little bit more on ball sauce matters, especially with young guys. And you think, Hey, this guy can take another step. Well, when the next step is creating your own shot and you're already a lockdown wing, like now you get into really elite territory. For sure. For sure. And it, and I love Bridges. Don't get me wrong. I was I couldn't believe Philly traded out of that spot a few years ago. Oh, but that was we need to stop pretending as a group. Denver and De- – no, no, no. I'm sorry. Denver and Portland. This sucks because Denver with Jamal Murray could win the title. Could genuinely win the title. That's how good that Aaron Gordon fit is there. And I still think that – they are going to have their say. I think they're obviously, I think they're easily a second round team. I think they're going to smack Portland, but 
I can't help but feel sad, right? Like if you're a Blazer fan, you're looking at, let's stick to this matchup for the moment. If you're, if you're a Blazer fan, you're looking at this matchup, you have to look at the Jokic thing and say, how are we even beginning to guard that? I understand, you know, there's the Nurkic-Jokic thing used to play together. Nurkic got, Nurkic got shipped out. He was not happy about it. And I understand that dynamic, but Jokic is going to torch them. If I'm Portland, this is another series where I think I have the second and third best player. I'm I'm conceding Jokic, yep. but Damon CJ, right or wrong, have to feel like, you know, after Jokic, we're the two best players here. And I'm sure in Dame's mind, he's better than Jokic. He's the best player on the floor. Agreed. And I, and I bet you a lot of nights that may come through. My problem with Portland is, and this is this is a broader Terry Stotts issue because I have you know I lived in Portland for four and a half years. I have friends that are Blazers fans. I love Norman Powell, obviously, so I want them to do well. My issue with Portland is though that at some point you have to clamp down and play defense. And, and Terry Stotts, they can't. And, and no matter who you add, two first rounders for Robert Covington, signing Derek Jones Jr. Like it just doesn't matter. And at some point. You know, we see it every year. We, you know, we always talk about Golden State, the firepower with, you know, Curry, Clay, Durant. But that was the number one defense every year because that's what matters. And if you're not going to defend, all you are is first round fodder. And their issue is defense as a whole has a pro- is, is a problem for them. But like big wings, a la Michael Porter Jr., just see buffet line when they – Without oh, question. We're pulling up to Portland tonight. Look, Dame, you ain't even got a lace. I'm getting 25. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, you know, if we want to talk about – we want to talk about, you know, being the best player in the series, Michael Porter Jr. thinks he's better than everybody. Oh, and, boy, and by yeah. the way, we may, we may get to a point where we're talking about him as one of the top, top, top scorers. I mean, he has Durantian skills. And I'm not saying he's Kevin Durant, obviously – but he has Durantian level skills and he's going to be a serious difference maker because you're right. Who's guarding him? Is it Covington? And if so, that leaves a lot. There's a lot of space out there for someone like Aaron Gordon, to just be cutting and creating chaos. Okay. Truth time. I don't think Robert Covington is all that good as an on-ball defender. Thank you. Team defense. He's a team defender. Yeah. Like with, if I'm Michael Porter jr. And that's my matchup. Let me work. Mike, pinch post me. Let me work. Agreed. Robert Covington is like Danny Green, but bigger in terms of how he plays defense. Now, Danny Green as a transition defender is, I mean, almost trend, almost transcendent in that regard. I mean, he's made a living off that. But as an on-ball defender, Green always got this, this sort of rap as like a, a lockdown guy. And I never really saw that. I saw him as sort of an elite team guy. And I think that's where Covington slots in. But if you're, if you, the rest of your team doesn't play defense, I'm not sure what Covington's doing for you. All right. Four, five. And it's a rematch clips and Mavs. I want to say Dallas is going to make this close because there's an argument to be made that Doncic is the best player in the series. I don't necessarily believe that, but there's an argument. There's an argument there. The only thing I will say is that Porzingis needs to have an impact. And I'm just not convinced that he's an impact player anymore. And, 
you know, that, that means, that means rebounding. That means playing big. That means being versatile. It means staying on the floor. I think this Clippers team is better than it was last year. I don't like how they try to manipulate the matchups to get Dallas, but this feels like a six gamer to me. All right. We'll come back. To, I'll come back with my thoughts. Cause this is also one of my okay. favorites. All right. Do you have a favorite out East, a, a matchup that you just won't miss? Milwaukee, Miami, without question, without question. I mean, Jimmy Butler on any night is must see TV in the playoffs, different level. I mean, what we saw from him last year was Herculean, right? And if he's going to do that again, I'm not missing a single frame. Is there a play, is there a superstar that looks more fun to play with than Jimmy? Like if you're willing to be a dog and go after it, because Jimmy is the superstar, but He's the superstar that tells you, go get yours. Am I allowed to say Kyle Lowry? He's not at Jimmy's level, I don't think. Yeah, I think he's a notch below. I don't know playing playing with Chris Paul would be all that fun, only because of how demanding he is. But he clearly is going to make me better. Yeah, yeah, but that's not fun. Basketball is supposed to be fun. Like, playing with Kobe, like, it, it didn't look fun. To me... Playing with Stephen Curry would be a joy. Okay, that's a hey, good man. One. Hey, man, you're just going to run like crazy, right? So all I'm going to do is try and find creative ways to set screens and get you the ball, right? Draymond Green has is going to have a Hall of Fame career, and the latter part of his career is going to be finding unique ways getting Stephen Curry the ball. He is the most fun. He creates the most space. That's the one. But Jimmy, Jimmy's on the list. No, Jimmy's on the list because Jimmy's the superstar, but he's also going to be like, all right, Ian, you got it rolling. Yo, shoot four or five in a row. He doesn't care. He he genuinely doesn't care. He, he's got the Chris Paul mentality of like, for three quarters, I can have eight points. Don't care. If I need to take over, consider it done. All right, my, my matchup out East that I just need to see all of it. I know defense wins, but these guys might – a thousand points for the series easily if it goes seven if it's uh the knicks and the hawks oh yeah like i wonder could they break like an all-time series scoring record it's just gonna be everywhere and there's i i I hope it's deandre hunter on julius randall i hope emmanuel quickly gets his moment in the sun that'll happen and I'm still holding out a little bit of hope that Cam Reddish is like, oh man, RJ Barrett is having, is coming into his own. And this was my guy in college. I'm just as good as like, they were one, two, and three in the recruiting rankings, Zion, RJ, and Cam. And Zion is on the path or is already a superstar. Agreed. All NBA guy. RJ is, I, I didn't vote him all NBA. Um, just because I had 15 people and all of them at least made the play in and he was the only one. So he didn't get that slot. It's fair. It's fair. But RJ is on his way to an all-star, at least two all-star appearances at bare minimum. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, can RJ Barrett be, and I don't mean this in terms of a player comp, because I don't think they're similar at all, but can he be a Mikael Bridges kind of player? Can he be the kind of guy who's like, a high-end fourth option 
maybe a potentially really good third option. I think that's got to be sort of the goal with, with RJ. And, and look, like RJ's the kind of kid who, if he's not good at something, he's just going to keep working and working and working until he is. And I'm always going to bet on dudes like that. Uh, the one thing I will say, if I'm the, the only thing I would say in response to the high scoring is that remember who the Knicks coach is. So whatever he, and this is a guy, Tibbs is a guy who has been in deep playoff runs. He is going to do whatever it takes to make Trey Young's life miserable. And if he's not able to do that defensively, if I'm Julius Randle, I am finding Trey Young's man, putting Trey Young in screen and roll every time down. That, 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 that's what I want to do. And I want to slow everything down. Do you think, Oh, here's, here, it's a broader question. Actually, who is the candidate? What coach is the candidate to give an opposing player, the Popovich treatment of what pop used to do to Amari Stoudemire. I'm not doubling you go ahead, get 50, but nobody else is getting off. Like, ooh, I'm not, who, what coach is going to say, because I think Tibbs is a candidate for that with Trey Young. Like, Fair. yo, Trey Young, you have 45. Nobody else is getting a rhythm. Trey Young can get whatever he wants. When Atlanta is scary, is when Bogdanovich gets going. When Bogdanovich gets going and is making an impact as a ball handler and a scorer, that's when they start. That's when you're like, they're going to throw up 135, and I don't know what we're going to do. Right. So I, I think the others or, you know, do we get a Gallo game where he hits eight threes? You know what I'm saying? That's got to be the concern if you're New York, where Atlanta has so many bodies who can just have a night that even if you do the, the, the Popovich, because I think they have to do that with Trey Young, they can still sprinkle other guys in around him. It's so that's the amount of shooting that they have that makes sure. them scary. It's, bogey gallo trey herder um like you just they often run out there five guys you're very comfortable with hey pull it up or four guys in clint capella who had a monster season i you took the words right out of my mouth if it wasn't for the fact that our two top mvp candidates Jokic and Embiid, were centers i would i'd have a hard time leaving capella off all nba Right. Like you have to think now it's going to be, even though you can get, you know, sort of creative with the matchups, you have to think, you have to think it's Embiid or Jokic Embiid Gobert as your all NBA centers. But Clint Capella was fantastic this year. He really, and was. Houston looks silly. No, he truly was. All right. What's your other one out East? <sighs> you know, I, I, I hate to say it. But I'm going to love watching Kyrie cook Boston in Boston. I just am. You know, I, I, I think he – I think I kind of think he did Boston dirty, you know, saying he's going to stay, then ghosting them and not even, not even pretending to resign. Um, you know, bad playoff performances, everything else. But I can't stand Boston. And I can't wait for – when that garden's rocking and Kyrie is just cooking them. Can't wait. Does he resage the garden? He may not need to. He's gonna his his stat lines are gonna be all the stages all the stages gonna need. Is he the evil spirit in the Boston Garden? Uh, maybe it's possible, right? It, ever since they made that trade, they've kind of been, I wouldn't say cursed because they went to you know three Eastern Conference Finals in four years, but kind of snake bitten, right? Like when they get to that point, it feels like every break that they could have goes the other way. You know, let, th think about it. Game seven, Cleveland. You know, when it was the, the Eastern, what was that, 2018? 
right? What were they in game seven and Jeff Green with Cleveland just got crazy hot? Like, what are we talking about? It happens. They feel snake bitten. So maybe, hey, Kyrie, maybe. Maybe he's maybe he's got the bad energy in there for them. That's also my second one. Like, just they're just so fun to watch when all three of them are going. Agreed. And I like basketball genius and a dude completely changing his style of play after seven, eight years doing the same thing. And then just being like, let me remind you guys, I was a passing savant. Like I always go back to this when they were in Oklahoma city and they let the like young boys go. Russ immediately came off the ball when Harden went in and Harden was the point guard. Yep. And that was because he was a better decision maker, but he was also a very, very good passer. And that sort of gets lost in the sauce of what his tenure in Houston was. For sure. And, you know, you talk about changing how they do things. You know, we all expected, oh, there's only one ball. How many times have you heard that? When stars get, oh, there's only one ball. It doesn't seem like it's a problem. You know, Kyrie has gone off ball and had his most efficient season ever you know like this feels yeah crazy I mean this feels like a group and Nash has some cur to him right where he's got some bite but he also lets the stars be the stars so yeah I mean any chance I get to watch those three play together I'm gonna do it all right let's move on out west I'll start this one off do it Clippers in Dallas like I thought that the Clippers could be wanted to be more physical with Dallas than anything. They didn't want to beat them at basketball last year. They wanted to try and bully them. And that's why I was so happy when the Clipper or when Dallas signed James Johnson, because James Mm. Johnson's role, like, I don't care what he does as a basketball player. His role in my mind was literally, you know, the second somebody gets tough with Luca, kick their fucking head off. Yeah, like right off Marcus Morris, you want to play today? All right. But they traded him at the deadline and it broke my heart. And like for them to be in that same position, I want to know, will the Clippers try that bullying tactic again? And if so, who steps up to defend their superstar? I mean, is it Josh Richardson? Then they're in for a long ass series. It's, it's, oh, Luca's mad. Right. I agree. I agree. And my, again, I, the, the one thing we don't talk about enough with, with the Clippers and maybe we do, but is this is an elite shooting team. Yeah. They're kind of one dimensional, but when they get hot, like they were in the first half of the season, like Paul George's first half of the season, and they're just draining, draining, draining jumpers. They're tough to stop. Now I don't think that's going to be an issue with a team soft like Dallas, but you know, eventually when they get to, you know, some of the beefier teams, potentially the Lakers in round three, that's when they'll see issues. But I think against Dallas, they should be fine. Now, are we all rooting for another catastrophe? I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's nothing better than watching Paul George hit the side of the backboard. I just don't see it. This happening against Dallas. I, I feel the basketball gods owe us Clippers Lakers from 2020 so whatever has to happen for us to get there in 2021, did I want it to be 3-6 in the first round? Yes, I did. But 
I'll settle for whenever we can get it. Just bring me all of that by the boatload. What do you have at West? I mean, Phoenix Lakers. You know, I, I just really want this to be a long series. And the guy I feel bad for is Chris Paul because, you know, I, I don't. what I don't want is have this revisionist history 10 years from now. And we're like, oh, Chris Paul only made it out of the first round X amount of times or never, you know, only made one conference finals or whatever, the, you know, whatever the case may be. And I don't want us to have that revisionist history about him. This is a guy who makes everybody better anytime he steps on the court. And I don't want that to get lost if the Lakers find their footing and come in and smash them because this has been an unbelievable year. We, we don't give Phoenix enough credit for – yeah, should they have taken Tyrese Halliburton? Sure, right? But we don't give him enough credit for Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson. Like, we, we, this is a team that makes sense. They just, they're just not beefy enough for the Lakers. But I do think it's going to be entertaining, and I want to see those young guys for Phoenix come through. I want to see Bridges, Johnson, Booker. I want to see those guys cook because this is their moment. Yeah, I just want Devin Booker to drag KCP and Wes Matthews like, I just want him to drag them for six games. Like, they might not lose, win the series, but I'd really like him. Booker was good for 35 a night. Right. And, and by the way, he's fully capable. He's, he's fully, fully capable. You know, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how the Lakers guard him and who they guard him with. To me, you know, you have to think probably Caruso on Paul. Caruso did, you know, I, Steph went off last night, but I thought Caruso – um, made it at least di- you know difficult at times. He had a big steal. Uh, yeah, on he did. Steph Curry crossover uh, right he wing, did. right like after that, he hit the side of the backboard. Like, yeah, but that was critical because I agree. Transition in a game that was tough to score in. That, he played well. And, and the one thing I'll say about Phoenix though is that how I can see this going long is if their bombers get hot. You know, Bridges, Johnson, Booker. If those guys get hot. Jay Crowder, if those guys get hot from behind the arc, it could be interesting. It could be interesting. I don't want to write off Phoenix just yet. I don't want to because that Lakers team, remember, it took a LeBron 35-40 footer just to put away the eight-seed Golden State. So let's not get carried away about what our expectations are. This is not the same Lakers team from last year. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take them time. And if I'm Phoenix, I want to jump on them right away, games one and two. All right, give me your last te- your last series out west. Can't miss. I mean, it's got to be Clippers in Dallas, right? Like, if Murray was healthy, I'd love to see Murray and Dame go shot for shot because when we saw that in the bubble with Murray and Mitchell, it was outstanding. So it has to be Clippers in Dallas. Um, I, I think I do, you know, not to name all the series, but I do think Utah, if Golden State wins, I think Utah-Golden State would be fun as hell. Actually, that's my pick because if Golden State wins – I, ne- I do not want to miss a, a second of Stephen Curry basketball for the rest of his career. That We need to appreciate how great this guy is. And I'll say it again. He is the best guard we've had since Kobe Bryant. I don't care. Point guard, shooting guard, doesn't matter. I don't want to miss a frame. And if he is going to cook, even in a loss, if he's going to cook same way with Booker, I want to see every second of it. So I'm going to go Utah, potentially Golden State. That's a good one. All right, let's play Fuck Mary Kill Eastern Conference second bananas. Okay. We're gonna we're just gonna toss the nets out of this. Yeah, that, they're not fair. Okay. Ben Simmons, Bam Adebayo, 
And I'll give you your pick of the Milwaukee guys. Is it your boy, Chris Middleton, your guy, or Drew Holiday? Who's the second banana there? Oh, Drew Holiday is better than Chris Middleton, without question. Okay, so now fuck, Mary kill, Drew Holiday, bam, Ben Simmons. Killing Ben Simmons is the easiest decision ever. I mean, I'm not, I'm not convinced he'd be – you know, I, I'm not convinced he'd be the second banana on any of those teams, right? Marrying Bam is the easiest decision ever. I mean, this guy is he's not just a special player. He's a special person. So marrying Bam. And then, yeah, we'll fuck Drew Holiday. That sounds good. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to steal any more of your time. I do need to – We like when you get with professionals, professional shit kind of happens. So I was on the From the Stands podcast last night, and now Ian's here with me. So we did a home crossover, home. baby. Yeah, a home and home, a crossover. Like you, we're we're for the people. That's at Ian Stansfield twenty six, and don't forget to follow at From the Stands Pod. And they're fun. They're like. I really wish Sean could have been here with us, but like they're Canadian. So one of them has to love hockey. And that's, that's my big brother. He's the least play tonight to play the Canadians. And uh, you know, he's been texting me all day. He called me just before this. Tell, tell me how nervous he was. So, you know, for me, I, I get that way about the Raptors. I'm cool with the Leafs, but uh, no, it, it was an absolute pleasure coming on, man. It's I, apparently I like Canada, like I fucks with Drake, I fucks with you guys, but jokes aside, the first time we potted together, I had so much fun that I went to bed. And when I woke up the next morning, I literally hit the group chat with Ian and Sean and was like, yo, I'm your new brother now. Like send me the, the family information later, but like we're family now. It's family, baby. And I just, it's just so much fun linking up with them. You guys got to check out from the stands. They talk all things sports, uh, particularly Canadian sports. And it's fun and their personalities. And you can just feel the, they grew up together arguing about sports over mashed potatoes and meatloaf. That's it. That's it, man. Like, Hey, and we appreciate it. It's been a pleasure coming on and, look like you really got it going and this was really dope for me. And and again, I I just appreciate you inviting me on. It's always a great time when you uh, hook up with the brothers. Once again, special shout to Ian Stansfield for coming on and chopping it up with me, but this has been the Shaw's law podcast. And like that we out.